Hey everyone, welcome to the Intro Me podcast. I'm your host, Steve Glenn. In this episode, I chat with Brian Kalma, entrepreneur and residence at Zappos. Brian shares short stories from an internship at Time Inc. by following up on an ad in the New York Times to advice he's ignored and would never give to you and so much more. Listen in and check us out at intro.me slash podcast. That's I-N-N-T-R-O dot me slash podcast, uh, where you can sign up and get alerts on future episodes. Hey, Brian, welcome to the Intro Me podcast. How are you? Hey, Steve, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. Dude, it's so awesome. Like we've known each other for such a long time and um, it's funny and I'm sure, you know, to our listeners who are just, you know, trying to kick off their career, get things started or build a network and they're wondering why the hell that even matters. Um, this is a good example. We, you know, we met probably a, a decade ago uh, through a connection from Twitter, ironically, and um and uh, still are friends today, and it's all due to just keeping in touch and keeping interested with what each other has been up to over the past 10 years. And so it's super, um, super great to have you on the show. I'm really excited to learn more uh, with our listeners about what you do and how you do it and how you got there. Definitely, and thanks. I'm definitely happy to be here. And uh, if memory serves, it may be more like 11 or 12 years that we know each other. So just to, <laughs> I was trying you know, to be kind to us. Minor detail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So as entrepreneur in residence at Zappos, I th- I have kind of an idea of what that means, but I think it's a little bit different or can be a little bit different from company to company. What's kind of the, the 20 or 30,000 foot view of, of what that means and what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. So entrepreneur in residence at Zappos is basically a concept borrowed from venture capital firms. We do it a little differently, though. And effectively, I work on experimental endeavors at Zappos, you know, helping the company find new revenue opportunities uh, through innovation. Effectively, Zappos has an operating system internally that allows for entrepreneurs to thrive and work towards finding these new lines of revenue. So uh, it's pretty exciting. I don't, uh, you know, I don't work in any, on any of the core business stuff there. I work on, you know, all the, the bright, shiny objects. <laughs> all, all the potentially new stuff, right? Like things that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing, but um, things today that are could be new or even are you looking, you know, further out into the future? Yeah, basically trying to find new revenue streams for the future uh, to help the company, you know, diversify, you know, beyond just, you know, selling shoes and clothing and things of that nature. So it's really with an eye towards the future. What could be the next set of big things, you know, that Zappos could apply uh, uh, their brand to, you know? It sounds awesome. Um, and uh, just knowing what I know about you and how you do it, um, you're the perfect fit for that role. And um, uh, and just in the way that you think and the way that you do and design and interact with people. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure someone can just become an entrepreneur in residence overnight or even, you know, as their first job. So what was your first job and how did you land it? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. So I have two answers to that. My first internship, <laughs> which I sort of considered my first job, was a, was at Time Inc., New Media. Uh-huh. It's kind of when the internet was just starting to get going. So uh, Time Inc. had a media division 
and and uh, I had a new media division. And really, I have I have a strong memory of this. I saw an ad in the classifieds of the New York Times <laughs> for this job, for this internship. That's I was awesome. going to Pace University. Yeah, like uh, so I'm not sure if they if uh, newspapers still have that. Um, but really, I remember simply applying and then persisting and following up. And I remember just getting it. So I think it, you know, it was some persistence really that helped me land it. But specific, more specifically on like my first post-college job was at a company called J. Walter Thompson, which is a really large ad agency at the time. Uh-huh. I still think it exists, but the ad agency world has sort of gone through so many twists and turns and consolidations. I'm not sure what it's called now. But um, uh, if memory serves, I saw I, I met them at a career fair. Um, but admittedly, I may be making that up. That's just, that's just either a memory or a dream. Right. Um, but I do, uh, I do remember after interviewing, following up the very next day and leaning on like a newly discovered asset of mine. And that was my personality that I could actually converse and talk to people. Right. I'm generally an introvert, but when I have like a one-on-one with someone, I, I, I started to feel confident. And I remember like uh, calling back and making a joke <laughs> and uh, trying to form a connection. And I got the job. That's cool. It's funny, um, you know, we're just getting this podcast rolling, but already the theme with talking with people is just that uh, around first job or first internship, uh, perseverance and follow up and actually just, uh, you know, being who they are. And so I think we often hear that, you know, or we often maybe now say that to people getting or just getting started in their career, you know, hey, you've got to follow up, you've got to follow through, you know, you've got to network and and just be yourself when you're doing it. And it's all really good advice, but not all advice is good. So what, you know, what kind of, uh, you is, as I know you is, is, you know, um, this guy who can really bring a team together, but also can look at things and say, all right, what, what, what could we do if we broke the rules? You know, what kind of advice, um, have you ever been given that you're, you're glad you, you ignored? Oh my gosh. I love this question. Um, <laughs> and this is going to be a sort of controversial answer because I think this advice that people give is really popular, but I ignored it. And that advice is follow your passion. And then here's why I ignored it. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not that the advice is bad, but I know me and my passions evolve so rapidly that I would have been chasing my tail with constant passion changes, right? And having made it, you know, if I followed one passion, I'd be then, you know, say took a job and followed, you know, to, to you know, based on a passion, I'd be changing a job every six months. Right. Um, now, that's not to say that following your passion is bad. I'm glad I ignored it because I know me, right? I think better advice is really set your goals, discover your passions, and find the sweet spot where your passions and goals intersect. Mm-hmm. Kind of what's that Venn diagram where your goals and passions overlap? Uh, all the while, you've got to recognize that whatever you do won't be forever. Right. And you've got to embrace that and change uh, as you change and evolve as a person. So uh, to me, I think passion is fine, but recognize that you may be someone who has evolving passions. Set your goals before you discover your passions. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh man that if, if we ever make a highlight reel, that, that answer is going to be on it for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, like there's, there's some folks who just say, go and follow your passions and uh, everything else will follow. And and if that works for them, great. But uh, I think the average human being changes and evolves, you know, based on the context and situations of their life, you know? Yeah. Uh, Things change. Yeah. uh, 
I think setting the goals is important first. Yeah, I agree. And I think even some people, when you say, well, what, what are you passionate about? They sort of, you know, take a step back and, you know, some people have a very difficult time even articulating that. So, um, yeah, I think correct. your advice is, is right on. Yeah. So I have a passion for, for never running into wasps anymore, <laughs> but, uh, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't follow that passion. <laughs> so, uh, given, given that, you know, in, in kind of that same theme, you know, of ignoring advice, um, what's the best mistake you've ever made? Right, this is a hard one because there are a bunch, but there's <laughs> one, I suppose, from a very specific work perspective that sticks out. Um, so when I was running marketing at Zappos, uh, back in my first time around at Zappos, I had worked there uh, in the 2000, early 2000s. I made a big mistake um, that was said to have cost the company millions of dollars in potential revenue. I was, uh, I, I effectively um, was, I, I performed a marketing trick that I was expecting that would get us higher uh, SEO value relative to some of the affiliates who were outbidding us. Uh -huh. Well, that didn't work, right? And uh -huh. it uh, was said to have cost us uh, a bunch of a bunch of money. But in the process of fixing that error specifically, the idea of Zappos VIP was born. Um, and that became a very, very profitable endeavor for the business at the time. And I still think it exists. So that like big catastrophic mistake that had me really freaked out that the CFO told me that cost millions of dollars effectively, you know, kicked us into gear to figure out a creative way to solve that and rectify that. And then a new idea, a new business line was born. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think about that a lot because it reduces the fear I have now in making mistakes because I know that uh, if you have the resilience um, built into things, you can correct your mistakes. And often that's where innovation is born. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you must have made it made it right because they brought you back. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I wasn't blacklisted. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they, they wrote me back uh, to their detriment. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a fun one. Um, what, uh, you know, people like you and me who've been in, in the game for a while, we get all of these kinds of buzzwords and things thrown at us and, you know, um, just the... In, even in the most innovative organizations, uh, you know, you get in that, in the corporate vocabulary, but what uh, business or career buzzword bu bugs you the most? <laughs> you know, I guess, you know, there, there, are, there, are, there are two mm -hmm. that I think I have to throw out there. And <laughs> uh, no, disres no disrespect to those who love these, but uh, big data and growth hacking. Okay. Let me try. Let me try to explain why. I mean, like for me, I think I have an aversion to labels in general. I think that could be part of my problem, but I under, also understand the power of labels. Right. But when I think of big data, I mean, I, I just don't get it. You know, look at. I mean, data's always been there. Uh, uh, I know that there's some uh, some new uh, new focus and new ways of gathering data now, but I don't know. Get more of it. Look at it. Uh, analyze it. Understand how to make. I understand how to have it, you know, inform your decisions, but that term big data, hey, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's an allergy for me. Um, and, uh, and same thing sort of with growth hacking. I don't know why growth hacking sort of irks me, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're creative in your marketing, that's great. Playbooks aren't always right. I mean, sometimes they are, but contextual marketing in the situation, um, 
where you do as much as you can with as little as you can right. is a good way to view it. And I understand the term growth hacking is a shorter way of saying everything I just said. <laughs> uh, yep. So be it. But I just think of uh, a machete. And uh, when I hear growth hacking, and that's uh, not good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I Similarly, I think of uh, uh, maybe it's just my association with the word hacking of um, shortcuts. You know, like how do yeah, we totally. shortcut away to get customers and I don't know if there really are many shortcuts you can take. You've got to be authentic. I, I agree with that. And while it's obviously a debatable topic, you know, I generally agree with that, agree with that, you know, and, um, but for me, you know, I, to me, I just draw the analogy to another metaphor that to me is, it just is the epitome of the opposite, right. Mm -hmm. uh, of, of growth. You know, I, so uh, anyway, I mean, you know, it's a fun question um, and no disrespect to those who love that term. Right. It's just maybe we can just call it GH. <laughs> um, well, speaking of buzzwords, networking, that's, uh, you know, a term that's thrown at people who are launching their career, starting their career, just getting out there all. I mean, it that's when it starts, but it never goes away. And I think we all have our own you know, sort of image of networking and um, as a self-proclaimed introvert, you know, what does it mean to you or, or how do you do it? How do you, how does Brian do it? Well, I mean, it, it, to me, it means anxiety. So <laughs> okay. Yeah. Kind of just kidding. But like, I mean, you know, I am an introvert and I do sometimes get intimidated by the, the notion of proactively networking, right? But it's an important component of, of your career. Um, but to me, I really view it as like um, networking as like, figuring like the process of figuring out figuring out how to surround yourself with the people who will bring out the best in you it's a process with a means to an end you know like for me i view it as like i don't just go to networking events because i have to go to networking events i go to networking events or networking opportunities when i'm actively trying to find like the five people i want to be surrounded by or influenced by you know and if mm -hmm. someone kind of falls out of of that group of five i'll start proactively looking again um and because to me i think there's uh, you know I, i'm not sure who who's the person who coined it but a lot of there's this saying that like you're the you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with yep um uh, i may be butchering that that but like uh that that concept is something i believe in from the work perspective uh particularly whether it's working directly with someone or people you want to be influenced by professionally Right. So to me, I, I have a I have a pretty steadfast rule there. I like to make sure I always have like you know, five people I can lean on and gain value from, and hopefully reciprocate that value. And uh, uh, but if I in it, when I have that core group, I, I tend to not necessarily participate in that many networking events or conferences and things of that nature. It's only when you have to backfill, get get the number back <laughs> up to five. <laughs> Kind of. I mean, I know yeah. it sounds a little clinical, um, you know, and, and, you know, it's not like a super steadfast rule per se, but, you know, you can go nuts. You can spend all your time trying to network, you know, yes. and, you know, I learned over the course of time that, um, you know, there's a time, there's a point where it comes, you know, diminishing, diminishing returns, mm -hmm. you know, so you gotta, you gotta figure out, figure out what that is for you. Yeah. I remember a point in my career when I, walked into the office and just said to the team, you know, Hey, I am officially networked out. Like I'm tapped. I'm done. I need to just take a break. Um, here's the big question. When we think yeah. about all the things we've been 
you know, discussing and, and you think about those first, uh, maybe not just the internship and your first gig, but you know, the first few gigs and, and maybe they're somewhere else scattered on the timeline, but, um, what's the link from, you know, either where you started or what you've been doing or what you've done over your career to where you are today. And, and, you know, not just, you know, how does someone become maybe an entrepreneur in residence at a company, but how, how does someone get into a role where they're actively thinking about what the future of the business? Yeah, that's a, a good, a good, and, uh, a good question. And, you know, it's a process, you know, I know for me, I didn't know at my first job what I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, and it, you know, it took, it took some twists and turns to figure it out. But at Time Inc, New Media, for example, I learned uh, how to create web pages there. Mm-hmm. I also discovered MP3s, by the way, which was, was crazy. <laughs> and mine was blown that you could have like 500 yes. songs on a CD. But anyway, <laughs> the creation process, the process of creating something like making a thing and seeing tons of people use it was amazing. I, I was hooked. That 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 feeling, you know, that you're putting something into the world that that others will use, uh-huh. um, you know, hooked me. Right. And obviously, you could say that about about anything. And then, you know, if I were to fast forward a little bit to my to my job at J. Walter Thompson, which was my first job out of college, I learned the ins and outs of psychology, uh, the psychology of advertising, and helped me understand the power of influence and making things resonate and stick. So, like, I, I've I've often kind of thought about those experiences and said, as long as I'm creating things that people want um, and and will effectively stick and become an influential part of their life, I'm happy. And I think it's important for people to figure out like what that is for them. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, being an entrepreneur in residence affords me the opportunity to do just just that. I heard something the other day and I'm not going to I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to say it. And it it plays back into, you know, your group of five. And ironically, I was listening to a podcast this morning and heard the exact same thing about, you know, you being the sum or the average or whatever it is, you being, you being a reflection of that five who are around you. Um, and I also heard the other day, someone who's in a corporate innovation role for another uh, pretty large organization say, you know, my advice to, to people getting started would be, to go into those companies, like you said, Brian, like you went into that agency and you learned so much. And, um, and this, this, uh, guy's advice was to go into companies, surround yourself with really smart people, learn as much as you can, and then, uh, leverage that or take that as a, a launching pad for entrepreneurship or something where, uh, you can start to be, maybe more proactive in idea generation, but, you know, just want to throw that out there. No need to respond. And, um, like I said, I'm not judging it. I just think it's a very interesting perspective. Um, uh, so let's, uh, let's jump into and finish this up with some rapid fire questions. And so first thing that comes to your mind, and I've got like four of them. So just let me know when you're ready because these are tough. All right. All right. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) could be any in any format on any platform uh it doesn't have to be a book but what are you reading at the moment um if it is a book cool um that you might recommend to people who are trying to get their career off the ground made to stick love it love uh it. it's a yeah great book about uh about launching products that resonate with people 
Yeah, that's the super abbreviated version. Yes. Okay. So this this one I am personally super interested in because I have so much um, admiration for your creative process. But um, so, what's your go-to food when you need a boost? <laughs> Wiener schnitzel. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, my mom used to make it uh, a lot growing up, uh, and then I uh, wind up also marrying an Austrian woman who uh, makes Wiener schnitzel. So it's that is like kind of perfect. Uh, see, I knew you would have the answer that no one would expect. <laughs> I knew it. Um, that's so cool. Mine's boring. It's like you know, Chobani yogurt flips. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Pretty, boring. pretty boring. Um, <laughs> so besides this one, of course, do you have a favorite podcast? Uh, uh shameful. You know, I have to admit, and I probably shouldn't. I'm not an avid podcast listener, but I am hooked on Howard Stern on Sirius XM. I think he's evolved <laughs> to be very intellectual, mm -hmm. uh, very funny, and has some worldly insights. Yes. So that's probably my best answer. <laughs> awesome. Okay, cool. Um, okay, last one. From a business or like career perspective, um, or even personally, who do you admire right now? Paul English. Uh, he's the founder of Kayak, among other things. He's an energizer bunny. Uh, with an instinct for what people want and uh, admire his energy and, you know, intuition and uh, resilience to keep going. That's awesome. Uh, good friend and business partner at one point. Cool. Business colleague, rather. Cool. Um, well, uh, this was awesome. I love, I love the insight. I think this is going to be super valuable for people, not just starting their career, but anyone who's just looking for a boost and how they can think about what they're doing. So uh, thanks so much for jumping on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. This was great.